Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A ravenous monster invades a traveler's nose and starts to drink his blood. Slowly, methodically, a small eel-like creature emerges, waves around, and then retreats. What the hell is going on here? A landscaper is pushed to the edge of insanity and left with a terrifying dilemma. It can't go on getting worse forever and ever like this. The only way that can possibly end is in death. And a little girl's body becomes a breeding ground for a hungry critter. Her family must find out what it is before it's too late. As I'm looking at my foot, I actually see something move. And at that point, it's just really scary. It was living inside me. Three voracious parasites. They are cunning. They are dangerous but they just might save your life. They are the double agents. Worms invisible to the human eye. Insects thirsty for blood. Microscopic amoeba. They might look harmless, but these are some of nature's deadliest creatures. They can hijack our bodies disable our immune systems. They are parasites. But to those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Parasites are creatures that depend on other living organisms called hosts, so they can feed and reproduce. All parasites have one thing in common. They have a relationship with a host, and the parasite wins from that relationship while the host loses. But not all parasites behave the same way. A couple of parasites have actually been caught helping the enemy. These double agents provide unexpected benefits to their hosts. But for the hosts, those benefits don't always outweigh the costs. Spring, 1973. 
Broughton Coburn is a Peace Corps volunteer stationed in the developing nation of Nepal. I went to Nepal in 1973, and I was assigned by the Peace Corps to teach science directly south of the Annapurna and Dalagiri ranges of the Himalayas at 5,000 feet. Broughton feels at home, living among the tallest mountains in the world. I was quite excited to be in a place where I saw that people were living in a certain harmony with their own environment. I felt that I had an unusual connection to the place. But Nepal's majestic environment is also home to one of the most terrifying parasites on the planet. One morning in Kathmandu, Broughton is running errands. So I'm walking into the Peace Corps office in Kathmandu, and I collected my mail. And as I was looking down at the aerogram, uh, reading the news from the United States, a drop of blood fell from my nose onto the aerogram. And then another drop fell on it. The nosebleed seems to come out of nowhere. I reach for a handkerchief to stop the blood, and I gather my things, and I walk around the office, and another drop of blood falls from my nose. Unable to stop the bleeding, Broughton gathers his things and walks out to the street. And I sit outside the office for about 20 minutes, and it continues to bleed. Broughton's had nosebleeds before, but this one is different. A drop here, a drop there, every few seconds, and then it would stop for several minutes and then start again. They didn't seem to follow any pattern. I'm curious about what's going on, and in that part of the world, I tried not to take any symptom of a medical problem very lightly. Fortunately, a Peace Corps medical office run by an English doctor is right around the corner. So I walk into the medical office and I tell him that my nose has been bleeding off and on sporadically for about 20 minutes. The doctor examines the inside of Broughton's nose. And he takes a look inside and announces that he can't see anything of significance and that perhaps the altitude, the change in altitude affected me. The doctor explains that the dry air found at high altitudes is a common cause of nosebleeds. He gave me some nasal spray and said this should help and sent me off. Broughton returns home, hopeful that the nasal spray will put a stop to the strange bleeding. Certainly something like this would, would clear up. When Broughton wakes up the next morning, the nosebleed is gone. It is stopped, but I really just didn't know what to think. But little does Broughton know, the nosebleed was just the beginning. One week later, he's returning home from a busy day at work. And I'm riding my bike, and I can swear that I see something coming out of my nose from the corner of my eye. And I reach up to touch it, and there's nothing there. And so I ride along the street farther, and I see it again, and I reach up again, but there's, there's nothing there. And it's almost like it's a mirage or an illusion, and I'm about to go crazy. And so I decide to pull over to the side of the road, and I step into a tea shop. Broughton sits down at a table to catch his breath. 
I decided to pause for a moment and just collect my wits and senses, and maybe this thing, mirage or no mirage, might emerge again. And I order a cup of tea, and as the young boy is bringing a tray full of tea, he takes one look at me and he drops the tray of tea and runs out of the tea shop. So my mind is racing. I'm wondering what the hell is going on here. Based on the boy's hysterical reaction, Broughton comes to a sinister conclusion. I was aware that in Asia, if you look at someone who you feel may have been infested by the hex of a witch, for instance, you should never look them in the eye. So there was something about me that was conveying that I had been affected by some kind of hex or evil spirit. Broughton jumps back on his bike and knows just the man to see, a legendary Nepalese healer named Dr. Mana. I was quite confident that Dr. Mana, with his years, decades of local knowledge, would have seen something like this before. When Broughton arrives at Dr. Mana's office, he is taken to see the healer right away. After he hears Broughton's story, Dr. Mana invites Broughton into a brighter area so he can perform an examination. And so I'm trembling slightly, and Dr. Mana is squatted beside me. I'm sitting there for nearly 10 minutes, and then slowly, methodically, mysteriously, without any sensation to my nose whatsoever, a small brown eel-like creature emerges, and it waves around and then retreats. What was strange and eerie is that this creature offered no physical sensation whatsoever. I couldn't feel a thing. So I'm horrified. And so at that point, I'm confused. I'm disoriented. My head is spinning. Even after 40 years in Eastern medicine, Dr. Mana can hardly believe what has just happened. And he said, ah, it's a leech. Broughton has been infected by an aquatic leech. A leech is a small segmented worm that can live on land or in fresh water. While some leeches are predators that feed on the flesh of dead organisms, parasitic leeches feed on their living host's blood. Once it finds a host, the leech latches onto the flesh with its oral sucker and drains the host's blood until it is full. When a leech infects the nasal cavity, it sinks its sucker into the flesh and feasts on blood. The leech releases a powerful anticoagulant into the bloodstream, increasing the volume of blood flowing into the parasite's body. The leech is what's causing Broughton's nosebleed. The scientific name for leeches is hyrudinia, and when a leech feeds, it releases an anticoagulant into the bloodstream called hyrudin, and that stops the blood from clotting, which keeps the blood flowing and allows the leech to feed for a long period of time. But the anticoagulant isn't the only chemical the leech is capable of injecting into its host. When a leech feeds, it releases a powerful anesthetic that makes its bite virtually painless, and this allows it to feed for long periods of time without being detected. 
This is why Broughton never felt the leech living in his nose moving. But how did a leech find its way into Broughton's nose in the first place? The aquatic leech begins its life as a free-living egg in the water, where it hatches and matures into an adult. If it can, the adult leech will latch on to a warm-blooded animal, often a mammal like a deer. It feeds on the deer's blood until it is full, then returns to the water. Once back in the water, the leech lays hundreds of tiny eggs, and the life cycle repeats. The doctor asks Broughton if he has been in contact with any fresh water sources. I remembered that three weeks earlier at 12,000 feet elevation when I was trekking for work in the Himalayas, I had bent down to a stream and placed my face in the stream to drink water. When Broughton submerged his face in the stream three weeks before, a baby leech entered his nose and started to feed and grow inside him. And he explained that the leech had gorged itself with blood over the three weeks that it was in my nose. But ridding himself of the leech that has taken up residence in his nose will not be easy. Dr. Mana has some bad news. And Dr. Mana says, I've been a physician for 40 years here, and I've never seen any creature emerging from anybody's nose before. Well, at that point, I got quite worried and concerned. He finally says, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help you. I was really flabbergasted. I was wondering if this thing, this eel-like animal, was attached somewhere inside my brain. What was going to happen here? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Peace Corps volunteer Broughton Coburn has a leech living inside his nose and feeding on his blood. The bad news is that the local doctors have no idea how to get the creature out. At that point, I was really flabbergasted. I was wondering if this thing was attached somewhere inside my brain. What was going to happen here? Desperate for answers. Broughton tracks down the Peace Corps' own doctor. I explain everything that's happened, and I ask him if he can take it out. The Peace Corps doctor has never extracted a leech from someone's nose before, but agrees to try and remove the monster that is living inside Broughton's nasal passage. It's as if he doesn't even want to approach me or get close, but he looks dedicated to trying to do something. He's mustered some courage, and he says... Let's just see if we can try to grab this thing. In order to draw the leech out of Broughton's nose, the doctor tries an unconventional strategy. He believes that splashing water near the nose will attract the thirsty leech. When the leech comes out, the doctor will try to grab it with a long tweezer-like tool called hemostats. I splash water up my nose, and he sits there patiently, and the creature emerges, waves around. But the second he closes the hemostats, it would disappear. He tries that for 15 or 20 minutes and is unable to even touch it. It's beginning to seem like the leech is just too cunning to be caught. Then, without warning, the doctor gets a lucky break. And he gets a hold of the end of it. And it's at that point that I had a physical sensation of this creature for the very first time. As if there was a suction cup pulling on me from somewhere deep within my nasal passages. With the leech in his grip, the doctor starts to pull on the parasite that is latched onto the inside of Broughton's nose. And I have to brace myself on the sidewalls. And this thing is getting stretched out nearly eight inches, eight inches, 10 inches, almost a foot. And he's, he's looking at it cross-eyed. It seemed to be locked in some kind of immortal combat. And then finally, thwack. And he holds up in the hemostats a leech, dripping water, brown and slimy. Broughton is finally face-to-face -face with his slimy tormentor. I was amazed to sit there and stare and ponder this thing had been living in my nose for at least 18 days. And finally, it was gone. Finally, our relationship was severed. All of a sudden, I could breathe better. My nose didn't bleed at all. My spirits were lifted. It was as if a cloudy sky had cleared. Just to be sure there are no more leeches, the doctor thoroughly examines Broughton's nose and confirms that his patient's nasal cavity is clear. Today, Broughton remains parasite-free, but he has never forgotten about his disturbing ordeal.
And I suppose that my experience with the leech has changed me. It has reminded me that anything can happen and that the unusual and the bizarre can be around the corner for almost anyone. To avoid becoming a meal for an aquatic leech, travelers to countries in Central and Southeast Asia should use nose plugs when swimming in freshwater streams and ponds. But although leeches are voracious parasites, they can also help to save human lives. Leeches have been used in medicine for thousands of years, originally as an effective way for doctors to draw blood. And recently, the leech has re-emerged as a valuable tool in risky surgical procedures. In a situation where there's been a major injury to the skin, a leech can be very effective at keeping blood flowing through the area so that healing can occur. The leech's ability to secrete anticoagulants makes it a surprising ally for some. Leeches are parasites, but because we found a way to use them to our advantage, we've turned them into double agents. Other parasites have made that transition on their own. 1994. Nature lover Jasper Lawrence is enjoying life in the great outdoors near his home in Northern California. I love running, I love riding bikes, I love swimming. I'd always enjoyed being healthy and active. When he's not busy exercising, Jasper runs a landscaping business with his brother and works long hours mowing lawns, trimming hedges, and clearing brush. What appealed to me about being a landscaper was it allowed me to work outdoors. It was a really nice job. But Jasper's dream career is about to become a living nightmare. One early morning in late summer, Jasper and his brother are hard at work at a client's house. It was set on a hillside, just in an idyllic day. And our job was to clear some brush from a hillside. But as Jasper's clearing a mass of overgrown brush, he hears a loud buzzing sound coming from a pile of leaves. Next thing I know, I'm surrounded by a cloud of bees and they're stinging me on my neck and my abdomen. I was in a complete panic. Jasper races across the yard to escape the horde of angry bees, but it's too late. I ended up with maybe nine, ten bee stings, and immediately I started to feel strange. Jasper's body starts to react violently to the bee stings. My fingertips are going numb, my lips, nose, face is tingling and feeling swollen, and very quickly I'm feeling tight-chested and I'm having trouble breathing. I had no idea what was going on. Jasper's brother soon notices that his sibling is in trouble. Well, my brother immediately tells me to drop everything and that we're going to the hospital immediately. He hurried me into the truck and we took off driving pretty fast because we were a fair distance away from the hospital. A few seconds later, Jasper's breathing difficulties get even worse. During that drive, it became harder and harder to breathe. I became more and more frightened. I was wondering where it was going to end. By the time he arrives at the hospital, Jasper's airwaves are so swollen that he's unable to speak. ER doctors immediately rush him into intensive care. They started giving me shots, taking my blood pressure, all that stuff. After reviewing Jasper's vital signs, the ER doctors come up with a diagnosis. They tell Jasper he's suffering from a severe allergic reaction to the bee stings. 
I had been stung by bees before, but only ever one at a time. I'd never had multiple bee stings. To stop the potentially deadly allergic reaction, Jasper's doctors inject him with a hormone that suppresses the body's allergic response to the bee venom. Once they gave me the injections, things started to ease fairly quickly, going back to normal. Within the hour, Jasper can breathe again, and his other symptoms begin to subside. The doctor then tests Jasper for a series of other possible allergies. The results are shocking. In addition to bee venom, Jasper is allergic to grass, plants, and pollen, and has developed an acute case of asthma. He wrote prescriptions for various inhalers and pills to help me manage my allergy symptoms. Jasper returns home with a regimen of allergy drugs, which he adheres to diligently for the next few months. As far as I could tell, the, the drugs really weren't working. I wasn't better. Um, as time went on, my condition got worse and worse. And the drugs themselves have their own side effects. Loss of bone density, obesity, uh, severe acne, mood changes, personality changes. I put on an enormous amount of weight. My quality of life was declining, and yet my symptoms still continue to get worse and worse every year. <laughs> I'm on this downward slope in terms of my health, and it's pretty frightening. Modern medicine had nothing to offer me that was effective. Then, in 2004, Jasper travels to England to visit his Aunt Mary. Little does he know, his life is about to change forever. So I arrive at my Aunt Mary's house, and, uh, you know, I haven't seen her in two, three, perhaps four years. So she knew me and remembered me as this very fit, very active young man. And I can still remember the shock on her face when I walked in the door. The change in me was, was so extreme, it was, it was shocking to my aunt. So my aunt and I are sitting at the, at the kitchen table and we're talking about my asthma and how, how badly it's going. I was getting worse and worse over time. Jasper's story reminds Mary of a television documentary that she has seen recently. The documentary focused on a groundbreaking new theory about how parasites can be used to treat human ailments, and it featured one parasite in particular, the hookworm. She talks to me about a documentary she's seen that suggests that hookworm infection in humans can protect against asthma and allergies. Hookworms are blood-sucking intestinal parasites that have jagged rows of teeth which they use to hook into the flesh. When a hookworm infects the human body, it burrows through the skin and enters the bloodstream. From there, the worm travels through the body and into the intestines. Then, the hookworm sinks its teeth into intestinal tissue and gorges itself on its host's blood. But could this voracious parasite really help cure someone's allergies? You know, at first, when you're presented with this idea that hookworms, intestinal parasites, might be able to be used to control things like asthma and allergies, you're a little incredulous. How on earth would such a thing be possible? How would it work? Allergies occur when the immune system reacts to something that's safe as though it were dangerous. An allergen like pollen, for example. In an allergic reaction, the body mistakes an otherwise harmless substance, like pollen, as an invader. 
and sends immune cells to attack, causing inflammation. Though it's not proven, some believe that when hookworms are present in the body, the immune system's response to allergens is somehow less severe. Jasper is faced with a shocking dilemma. Continue to live with his debilitating symptoms or deliberately infect himself with a human parasite. The idea of infecting yourself deliberately with a worm, with a parasite, is not an easy one. But the potential payoff to be free of asthma at last was just too great. It overwhelmed any revulsion or hesitation I felt about the process. I knew that to have any hope of a normal life, that I was going to have to infect myself with a hookworm. But how could he go about infecting himself? The way hookworms infect people is to migrate through their skin. When a human steps on hookworm-infested soil, the larvae can burrow through the skin and travel to the intestines. There, they feed on blood and grow to maturity. The adult worm lays eggs, which are passed out in the host's feces. The eggs hatch into larvae in the soil. When a new host steps on the infected soil, the life cycle continues. In practice, what that means is if you want to infect yourself deliberately, you're going to have to walk barefoot in the areas that infected people go to the toilet. Hookworm infection is one of the most widespread parasitic diseases in the world. It affects an estimated 1.5 billion people worldwide. Most cases of hookworm infection are found not in the United States, but in the developing world. So Jasper begins searching for countries with the highest rates of hookworm infection in the world. They're not just going to pass hookworms out to members of the general public. I realized that they weren't going to come to me, that I was going to have to go to them. So as I was searching online, I, I did find a map published by WHO in 1999 showing the distribution of various intestinal parasites, including hookworm, in Cameroon. Cameroon is a developing nation in Western Africa. It's a very dangerous place, very low life expectancy, um, a lot of really uh, serious tropical diseases. But Jasper believes he has no other choice. He flies to Cameroon and hires a local driver to take him to a small village in a remote part of the country. So we arrive in the village. I and the driver start walking towards where the, the villagers defecate where they go to the bathroom. It's really hot, it's well over 100 degrees, perhaps 110 degrees, it's 100% humidity. We're pouring sweat and the smell, the situation was overpoweringly horrible. I needed to go and walk in the areas that were the most repugnant, the most repulsive, the most repellent and disgusting. And it was very, very difficult to do. I vomited on more than one occasion on that first day. By the end of the week, Jasper has walked through the latrines of over two dozen African villages. I treated like a job every day, early in the morning, by nine or 10 in the morning, we were out on the road and we'd come home every night around five or six. I'm very worried. I've spent all this money, I've come all this way. I feel like my health depends upon it and I don't know whether I've been successful. Jasper returns home to California. Three months later, in the middle of spring, when the pollen is at its height, Jasper is driving down a rural highway. So I wound up the window and braced myself for the inevitable allergy attack. And I waited, 
and I waited and I waited and it never happened. Jasper comes to a stunning conclusion. His allergies are gone. I was ecstatic. In fact, I was I was so thrilled. I started yelling and screaming in the in the car and you know, I was I can honestly say that uh, perhaps I've never been happier in my entire life. And I haven't had an allergy attack since. For Jasper, infecting himself with the hookworm parasite rid him of his allergies. Today, Jasper remains infected with hookworms. As a host, he must monitor his health daily as side effects of hookworm infection can include anemia, abdominal pain, and weight loss. But for Jasper, the benefits outweigh the costs. And now that he's allergy-free, Jasper has finally found a career that suits him. I'm a helminthic therapist. I uh, provide intestinal worms to people for the treatment of immunological disorders. Today, Jasper lives in England, where he harvests hookworm larvae from his own body and sells them online. Because there is still no definitive proof that a hookworm infection can relieve allergic symptoms, there are only very few people who are willing to get a parasite on purpose. For most people, a parasite is the last thing that they want. November 24, 2004. Six-year-old California resident Monique Owls and her parents, Antoinette and Henning, are enjoying their annual vacation on the beach in Durban, South Africa. Monique was born in South Africa. We lived there until she was three years old, and then we came to the United States. We go back every year to visit the family. We would just play in the sand, play in the ocean. It was a lot of fun. For Monique, this is heaven on earth. But Monique's trip is about to become a journey into hell. After a long day at the beach, Monique is hanging out with her cousins. I was reading a book to them, and my foot all of a sudden started to itch. I just kind of brushed it off and I scratched it, and then I kept on going. I thought that it was just a regular mosquito bite. When I go to South Africa, I have a good 30 mosquito bites on my leg at one time, so I was not worried. I thought it was just usual. But the next morning, the itching on the bottom of Monique's foot is even worse. So Monique shows it to her mom. After a quick look, Antoinette assumes that the small red spot is just a bug bite. South Africa is bug heaven, critters of all kinds there. I tell her to step lightly on the foot, but I thought it will be gone in a day or two. A few days later, Monique and her family head off to Johannesburg to visit relatives. When she arrives, Monique goes off to play with her cousins. But after a few minutes, she has a new sensation in her foot. All of a sudden, it just started to hurt again. At this point, my foot is burning and it's itching. Monique asks her parents to take a look at her foot, and right away, they notice that the small red spot has grown to a raised red dot. The red dot on the bottom of Monique's foot uh, was odd to me. 
it was swollen and it was red in color and it looked like it was infected a little bit. I'm beginning to think that this couldn't be a mosquito bite. It has to be something more. There are hundreds of types of insects and other tiny organisms known to be endemic in South Africa. While many are harmless, some are known to kill. Among the most dangerous are the poisonous spiders. My first thought is, could be a black widow. Black widow spiders are endemic to Africa, and particularly South Africa. Their venom is highly toxic, and has been known to kill small children. If this is a black widow spider bite, then we need to get Monique to a hospital as fast as possible. Monique's parents, Antoinette and Henning, rush Monique to the local emergency room. where Monique is immediately seen by a doctor. Right away, she tells the family that Monique has not been bitten by a poisonous spider. The doctor says that a black widow's venom is so fast that she would be unconscious within 20-30 minutes. In fact, the medical team is not concerned at all. They did not think that it's anything urgent. The doctor was not very concerned and sent us off home. The doctor prescribes Monique anti-itch cream. For the next few days, Monique applies the cream diligently, and it seems to be working. A week after I got the medicine, I thought, oh, it's fine now because there's no more pain, no more itching. I was back to normal. A few days later, the family returns to their home in Petaluma, California and life returns to normal. But a few weeks after their return, Monique's left foot begins to bother her again. When all of a sudden my foot started hurting extremely, extremely bad. I couldn't put my foot on the ground, it would just hurt too bad. Monique asks her parents to take a look. I turn over her foot and there it is again, the red spot. It's bigger, it's red, it's itchy. I'm thinking, this is impossible. The Yells make a doctor's appointment for a few days later. But the next morning, Monique is inspecting her foot when she notices something strange. As I'm looking at my foot, I actually see something move. At that point, it's just really scary. Her mother, Antoinette, is terrified and immediately takes Monique to see their pediatrician. When the doctor takes off Monique's sock, he just couldn't believe his eyes. He was totally perplexed. The pediatrician makes a call to the local hospital. And a few minutes later, he returns with a diagnosis. The doctors believe Monique has cutaneous myiasis. Cutaneous myiasis is a condition that occurs when fly larvae, or maggots, enter the body and start devouring human flesh. When a fly deposits eggs directly into the human body, that's called myiasis. Myiasis can occur almost anywhere on the body, from an open wound on the skin, to the ears, or the eyes, anywhere a fly lays its eggs. 
It was unbelievable. It's hard for me to think about a parasite living in my daughter's foot. Once inside the body, a maggot feeds on the surrounding tissue and begins to grow. But in order to continue growing and find more nourishment, the maggot must burrow further and further into the flesh. And as the maggot feeds, the body's immune system responds, creating massive inflammation, which can result in swelling and intense pain. As the maggot moves its way through the flesh trying to get out, it destroys tissue as it goes. And that can mean serious trouble for the host. If left unchecked, maggots will feed on any type of flesh. Invasive maggots have been known to gore skin, destroy eyeballs, and even feed on the brain. But how did the maggot get inside Monique's foot? They thought either it was in the sand and somehow it got under my skin, or this lie just landed on my foot and laid an egg on my foot. There are many types of cutaneous myiasis, depending on the species of fly. The only way for the doctors to know exactly which type of fly larvae it is would be to cut into Monique's foot and extract the maggot. It was horrifying. I'm thinking my six-year-old daughter has a parasite that can do a lot of damage. But extracting the parasite could lead to a serious infection in such a young patient. Instead of cutting into Monique's foot to remove the larvae and risking infection, the doctors administer albendazole, a powerful antiparasitic drug that will kill the maggot. Finally, after nearly one month of monitoring her condition, Monique's doctor confirms that the larvae inside Monique is dead. Today, Monique is a healthy, happy 12-year-old. She has a purple belt in karate and is fascinated by parasites. Monique is as healthy as can be. She's doing really well. I think that this makes me kind of special because I'm one in millions of people who had, who had a worm inside them. Maggots do not normally live inside human flesh, but when they do attack, the results can be deadly. To avoid becoming infected, travelers to subtropical regions and areas with large fly populations should wear shoes at all times and keep their skin covered. But surprisingly, even flesh-eating maggots can have their uses. There are many different kinds of maggots in the world, and some of them are used for what's called maggot therapy where maggots are placed directly on an open wound on the skin of a person, and as they feed on the decaying flesh, they clean the area and allow it to heal. Most parasites do nothing but harm their hosts. But sometimes, the side effects of a parasitic infection can work in the host's favor. Parasites have been living off of humans for millions of years, and most of them do far more harm than good. But there are a few species that do provide some benefits, working as double agents. For more disgusting parasites and tips on how to avoid them, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monstersinsideme.